0: Good morning and welcome to Be Bell Podcast brought to you by myself, Sean Horn, and our sponsors, Brown Thomas. Today I am delighted to invite journalist, event MC, radio head, TV contributor and Twitter queen herself, D Shocks. So I've been waiting a while to get you on and our times never ever hit the right thing. So thanks so much, dear. I'm so glad to get here.
1: You're very welcome. I'm delighted to be here. I just have a weird schedule that never matches anyone else's.
0: I know, but do you know what, though? I think when you like, when you work kind of like, you know, obviously on your programme, mm-hmm. um, you know, people know your schedule um, and I tend to w- pop in and out at the studio, so it, it's quite difficult. But I'm just glad we got here eventually. Yep. I've been dying to speak to you because I'm just so nosy and I want to know all about you. So, Dee, where did you all begin? Where did where were you born? Uh, I'm from Limerick. I didn't know Little that, Little known actually. fact,
1: oh. yeah. Um, I'm from Limerick. I grew up in Kilfinnan, which is a beautiful village in the Ballyhara Mountains. For anybody who enjoys walking and cycling and that type yeah. of thing, lovely spot. We always have a lot of tourism in the village and things, so it's not kind of your typical country village. It's in the middle of nowhere but we used to have like Ethiopian groups staying in our house and Russians Random. after the fall of the USSR just come visiting to learn about farming and all this kind of stuff. So it was actually quite an interesting place to grow up. Um, I'm an only child. Yeah. Um, my mum's a teacher. My dad had a pub. Um. So very close to my parents and my um, lovely childhood really. It was in the country. It was very nice. And
0: did you live above the pub?
1: We did until I was 11 and then we sold it. Okay. Um, so we went from living in the middle of the village to a rented house for a little while and then we built our own house Um, and I loved living in the middle of the village like my whole childhood was like wandering into Mary in the shop next door you know to talk to her about comics and then going down to the post office to annoy the woman in there about something else and it was just really nice it was you know the way they say it takes a village to raise a child Yes. Um, I'd say like my parents are great and everything but like the village really did raise me I'd say I wouldn't have got five minutes down the road without three people ringing my mother and saying do you know where she's gone Um, which is a really nice thing Um, um, you, know, you know, I kind what? of miss people,
0: that. People, I grew up in a pub as well mm. and lived above, always lived above the pubs. And people would always say to me, I, I'd be always scared. Oh, guys, don't do that. It's illegal. My dad will find out. And they'd be like, don't be so ridiculous. It's not illegal. <laughs> yeah. and, and he won't find out. And I'm like, he will because everybody knows him and he will go, they will go home and yeah. I will get. Yeah, they will like, find
1: out everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, like
1: when I was twelve, my friend shifted a boy in a field over the other side of the village, and I walked down there with her. And no sooner was no sooner was I home that my mother was like, "Were you with names this boy?" And I was like, yeah, "No." She's like, "You were. Yeah, I know you were." I was like, "No, it was my friend." So uh, no, you don't get away with much surveillance. But what state. I did
0: find though is, as I got older, it used to make me feel really safe. Yeah. Because like, I I lived by myself sort of from about sixteen. Mm-hmm. And it was the same. But my parents had moved back to Wales, but it was the same situation. Still, everybody knew who I was. Yeah. So if anything was to happen to me, I felt I could ask yeah. anybody. Yeah. Um. So... I always found that thing you know people say living in a small place everybody knows everything about you I always found that a A positive thing yeah Yeah, absolutely
1: absolutely. yeah Um, definitely and like that is one thing that I think now say I I don't live there obviously anymore um, and trying to recreate that for my children is going to be really difficult um, because you know we're blow-ins now where we live and it's a bigger town and all these kind of things but I'm kind of looking around already at people we know and like who are going to be their village Um, it's a really big thing for people who grew up in the country as we both did um, so yeah so no it was a great childhood and um, because I'm an only child and I'm the child of a teacher I obviously was a SWAT in school okay. <laughs> and so I was just going to ask yeah. okay complete yeah. SWAT oh completely yeah and um, you know Tap dancing, singing, all singing, all dancing, whatever. Not so much the dancing, but like okay. always a show off. Basically, yes. I was really annoying. So um, you've been in
0: like drama club yeah. and dance club and
1: yeah, not so much the dancing because I've no coordination, okay, as you really? know. Um, but the uh, the singing and the speech and drama and I used to read at mass, like any chance of a of a platform and yeah, I was yeah. there. Like, <laughs> oh,
0: I love so, it. So yeah,
1: so I like. I apart great from the time, doctor, really. I
0: think we kind of were the same person I think so
1: and you know it you do see it like it's so funny I meet people now and I could almost always tell you if they grew up in a small business yes. um, like that growing up in a pub you talk to everyone you treat everyone the same Um, everybody is a potential customer apart yeah. from anything else Um, or you know you don't offend people and you are very careful to proactively you know be nice to them yes. um, which is both a, a side effect to think of growing up in a small place and in a business Um, and I think for the job that I do now like it's the most useful skill forget about school forget about English forget about anything that I thought you needed for journalism it's actually just that skill of being able to talk to people
0: yeah oh no it's so important and actually I've I've four younger three younger sisters one older they all grew up in pubs and they have that really good way of connecting with people yeah they find it very simple Um, and I do look at my nieces now and I think they could miss out a little bit yeah but but they're all you know when they I I know you've got two small uh, kids and I like to pass kids round. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and, and there's always a point at, at time it, when they're very young where they're going to get clingy. Yeah. And it it happens to all of them and mm-hmm. it happens at different times. But that's the bit I always go, oh, don't let that continue. Don't yes. let that Be Don't let them turn out that. like that. Be careful <laughs> of that. Because I've also got friends that have kids that I haven't spoken to. They yeah. were like four years of age and I'm like, Oh my god, that really yeah. because it's just not something I'm used to, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I do think that integration. Like we were having adult conversations at five years of age. That's it. Yeah, well, we and thought we were actually
1: well. That's it, <laughs> and they all thought you were hilarious. You are yes. the entertainment on for the evening. We don't have music tonight, so send out the child. Like there was definitely a bit of that, but um, but it is like a really useful thing. So um, so yeah, I was always interested in writing and English and um, history and stuff like that. So and language uh, when I was doing my leave insert. I kind of I kind of wanted to be a journalist. I remember telling the career guidance counsellor, she kind of looked at me and went, oh, that's very hard to get into. Um, how about you do the cert course for bar work? And I was like, no, that's not not for me. Uh, what about something else? And she's like, well, you're good at English, so maybe how about law? And I was like, that sounds really boring, but sure, look, at, it's the Celtic Tiger. Everyone is doing yeah. law. That's the thing. I should have done an arts degree. Okay, But everyone at the time was like I ah, sure what me to do out of that And I knew categorically That I did not want to be a teacher um, Way too much hard work Dealing with children all the time No way uh, So, Holidays like, right?
0: though? Holidays?
1: Now I know that Yeah. Uh, you know at, at the time When you're 15 You take those school holidays for granted You know yes. my husband is a teacher now And I'm like Oh where did I go wrong? <laughs> but um, he So basically I went and did law and But I did law and European studies In Limerick in UL And um, I yeah I really enjoyed most of it I knew I was never going to be a solicitor it was never going to suit me it's really like detail orientated it's all paperwork absolutely all the things I'm not good at yeah, um yeah but I found it interesting so yeah. like there's a lot of stories in law in illegal education you learn about all these cases like I still like a couple of pints of me and I'll be telling you about Or versus Brown which you should go in and Google I uh, did
0: European employment yeah though. there you go
1: yeah so like you are telling people about all this crazy stuff and it's so that's the bit that I was interested in and it was the stories. So I kind of knew during college that that was the bit that was for me. Um, I had had some notions about maybe going to Brussels. Um, I did French in my degree as well and that was one of the things I was interested in doing, maybe working for an international organisation, that kind of thing. So when I did my Co-op which everyone does in UL, you do this kind of long work placement, a proper one okay. where you do six to eight months and you're now it used to be paid, it's not really paid anymore because of things have changed since then unfortunately. Um but I did mine in the Department of Foreign Affairs. So I mean it was great. Like it was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, got to go to Brussels to European meetings, did a lot on um international development, that's the section I was in. That's so I was a really good into that. Intern. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um I was a terrible intern. I didn't even know how to use a photocopier. <laughs> like talk about, oh my god, when I think of the things I said and did like I'd say they thought I actually wasn't right that I was some kind of like on some kind of scheme like (laughs) Genuinely, Could they were you like. Use
0: the fax.
1: Uh, this this one has it. Uh, no, a fax? sure I'd never I mean, seen a fax. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what any of these things were. Like, I'd never been in an office. Yeah. I had never set foot. My parents didn't work in offices. So my dad had the pub, and then free, after we sold the pub, he was doing various other things. Um, my mum worked in a school in a primary school that used to be an old church that was falling down. Like they didn't have an office. Yeah. So I'd never seen a fax machine or photocopier. Yeah. So they're literally like, "Here, photocopy sixty annual reports there," and I'm like. I actually have no idea what to do here. Genuinely no clue. Um, I mean, at one point, I remember they put me in instead of somebody's assistant one day, some really high up guy. And I was literally looking at the phone. Sure, I didn't know what all the buttons did. I I had no idea what it was for. And he was like, get such and such on the phone. And I was kind of looking at him like, and and then what? (laughs) Literally no clue of how anything worked. Um, 2003 or four. Yeah, I I was 20, but I was like, "Oh, I was so just not clued in at all um, so to be honest I'd say they thought I was a bit soft genuinely yeah. um, so like I learned I was really interested in all the substantive stuff that they were working on so all these programmes um, about disaster relief in different countries and all this kind of stuff were really really fascinating um, and I, I knew all the theory backwards and I'd be reading all these annual reports of the UN and whatever and I was like yeah I could talk all about that but like ask me to, to put someone through on the phone and I yeah, just hung up on them <laughs> you know so figured out then that probably bureaucracy wasn't really for me either Um, and I remember being in there and somebody coming in for a funding application for what I felt was a really worthy cause for a particular human rights organisation and we were in this meeting and they were like well you don't meet the criteria for this that and the other so we're not giving you the money and I was like but they're saving lives and they're looking at me like you're the intern shut up and I was like but 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 but, but, and then I realised the civil service wasn't going to be for me either yes. because you're not allowed to have opinions. Shut? Yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, right, that's probably off the agenda, the old diplomatic service not going to be for me um, and I came back, went back to college the following year and... Which college were you at? UL. Okay. In Limerick um, and... I had been doing bits for the college paper all along and I went you know what I'm going to take a punt at this so at the time that was a students union job at the college paper it was a full time elected position for a year uh, paid it was great Um, so I ran for the election for that and I won um, the only election probably that I'll ever actually run for and uh, certainly that I win but that I'll ever run for and um, did that for a year so that was the best experience you could get because it's all on you like if the paper doesn't come out it's your fault Nobody else is going to do it.
0: Like you did everything.
1: Yeah, you have reporters, but they're all volunteers. Okay. And like managing volunteers is impossible, especially when they're students. Realistically, is impossible. You know, I had some really amazing, talented people. Like there was one girl who wrote for the magazine that we had a magazine as well, uh, magazine, website, newspaper. Um, We started to get it, tried to get a radio station going that had been dormant, but it was. Full of regulations and problems, um, they have it now again. But one girl is working the BBC now, there's a couple in newspapers, different places. A lot of them went into PR, and um, some really talented people, yeah. you know. Um, and it was just a great experience. So, like, dead it really teaches you about deadlines when you are the person who makes sure that the thing happens. Yes. Um, we had a graphic designer, she was great, but other than that, it was pretty much just me, and um. Brilliant year, you know. So while I was doing that, I was also writing a column for one of the local papers. They had been looking for kind of somebody from the college to write something. I had just been in the right place at the right time. My my now husband had met the guy through work who was looking to recruit, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know someone. She's a journalist." I was like, "I'm not a journalist." And he was like, "You are you now." Are now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay. So I went to meet the guy. And actually he was the editor of the Cork Independent, this guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. At the time. I never knew our fates would be so yes. intertwined. And he was setting up the Limerick Independent in okay. Limerick at the time. And he was like, Oh, yes, yeah, so we're looking for someone to write a column. Do you think you could do that? And I was like, Yeah. Yeah. And give it a shot. What are you looking for from it? And he was like, Oh, just the news, the roundup of what's going on in the college every week. And I was like, that was basically press releases from the university, realistically. Yeah. Um I was like, Okay, right. So I had my first paid column. I mean, these days it wouldn't be paid. You know, it's yeah. just amazing how much has changed. Um, so 50 euros a week, delighted with myself. And um, went from there. So I... Um, spe- so you'd
0: met your husband then at this point?
1: Yeah, we met in uh, school
0: in okay. at a Debs.
1: Yeah, no, we weren't in the same school. Yes. We would have absolutely hated each other if we were in the same school. We we're probably too similar. Um, we would have just been competing probably all the time. Yeah. Um, he, I was at a Debs with my then boyfriend, and who was very nice if a bit dull. And um, he was sitting near us at the same table. They were friends, and we just got chatting. And we were talking about. Um, yeah, Sean Lamass and the Irish railway system. And
0: the excitement! <laughs> I know
1: time. we have scintillating conversations in our house, uh, and we talk about planning a lot and railways and things like that. And uh, we were already talking about trains yeah, before yeah, we came absolutely. in. Uh, he's obsessed with trains, bit of a train nerd. So I remember going, God, this guy's so interested in history, and he's really interested in politics. And I don't know any other boys that are like. And I really didn't know yeah. any other boys that were interested in anything beyond like fast cars and drugs and hurling. You know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, God, he's actually quite interesting. And this guy here that I'm with is very nice, but really not that interesting. And so we had been going out a few months and we broke up about... A couple of months later and he said to me on the phone as we were breaking up on the phone because it was long distance, you know, we had to have our parents drive us to meet each other. Oh gosh. Um, he said to me, oh, Stokes is going to be breaking your door down. Uh, and I was like, "Ah, oh, he won't. Oh, he will. <laughs> and he was. So, <laughs> yeah, so we got together three weeks later and that's the end of that. We're together now as long as we are apart. Yeah. So 17 years together now. Oh, that's yeah, it's pathetic. Um,
0: <laughs> it's kind no, of, people it's like, it's nice. lovely. Like it. And I'm I like, like
1: it. yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, we're very happy. So yeah. that's that's fine.
0: So he got you your first column. He more did. Or less. Yeah,
1: he did. Well done. Um, he, in fairness to him, I think, and a lot of women have a problem with believing in themselves. And like, at the time, I had nothing to justify that yeah. I could do any of it, to be fair. He was like kind of like, like, you, you can definitely it. <laughs> do it. Yeah. And he was like, you can. And I was like, mm. But he pushed me into it. Yeah. Um, and it was the best thing ever because, really, from there, I so I was doing the column in the Limerick Independent. I did the year in Unfocal, which is the newspaper in UL. And then, as that year was ending, the Galway Independent, which is a sister paper of Limerick and Cork, which is no longer there, um, was recruiting. Okay. And the guy in Limerick ran me and said, they're really stuck in Galway when are you finishing up? I wasn't finishing till July. They needed someone in May. So I used up all of my annual leave going up and down on print days on the bus to go all the way from Limerick and doing 12 hour shifts and coming back wow. on the bus. It was exhausting. But I mean, You did it. You take the opportunity when it comes. Absolutely. You know, um, it's and that was the biggest thing, I suppose. The timing was right. Like I look at my that my start like that and a lot of my friends did Masters. If I had done another year after the year in Unfuckle, I would have come out of everything into the crash and I would have been gone to Australia. Very lucky. You know, I was really lucky. Now, who's to know I, I would have had a but great time in Australia. But things for a reason. But absolutely. things happen for a reason. Yeah. And it, um, I was just really, really lucky with that timing. So once I was finished in, in the Students' Union, straight up to Galway, straight into the job, I had been in and out of there for kind of nearly two months at that stage. So I knew some of the ropes. Um, and I was there for two years. Okay and and
0: obviously moved up to Galway. Yeah. Do you enjoy Galway?
1: Uh, loved it yeah they call it the graveyard of ambition because you pass people drinking outside on Key Street on a wet Tuesday in November and you're like why isn't my life like that (laughs) and you know they're not homeless like they're outside a pub drinking and it's it's really relaxed and I suppose um, looking back at it now I'm like God what was the rush like could you not have calmed down and enjoyed yourself a bit more but I was always very career focused so I was there about a year and I started kind of pitching some of the stories I was working on to national papers so I started getting those landed and that got a bit of notice. I got the odd bit of um, radio exposure out of that. So I would go on and talk, mostly today, FM News Talk, um, about we stories about I worked this before. on. I saw yeah. you at
0: a talk, and you were saying, you no. Know, you'd be listening and any opportunity you could get to get on you yeah. got on and yeah. I loved hearing that it's just like yeah, people do they hesitate they go oh have they yeah. heard enough of me are they bored of me get on you don't know till you ask Absolutely. you know
1: Um. and like one of the things I suppose now having been an editor and on in newspapers and on the show um, we're always looking for people Yeah. you know and we're always looking for new voices we're always looking for different experiences like it, it never hurts to pitch yourself because we're always looking for something different so <clears throat> and I suppose at the time you know, I was very young that does appeal to an audience uh, they were looking I suppose as things progressed in my own career it kind of coincided with the times that they were looking for more women um, and they were kind of proactively saying well we need a woman yes. so I was quite lucky in that timing um, I think if it was five years earlier I probably possibly would have found it quite difficult but there was a lot of female producers out there who wanted to give a young woman a chance as opposed to me just landing on it necessarily yeah. um, so that kind of started happening um, then what happened was the job and the Cork Independent became vacant as editor um, okay. the guy who had originally recruited me who yeah. now works in 96FM as well
0: okay <laughs> yeah, Are you following him yeah <laughs> I think
1: he's following me at this stage I don't know um, but it's you know it's, it's such a small world really yes. so um, basically I was offered that job by the boss in Galway um, I was like Jesus Cork I don't know anything about Cork uh, okay my um, had sure your
0: husband gone to Galway with you no
1: he was he living in Limerick. in Limerick yeah so okay. he, he worked in politics and he was kind of stuck to Limerick and at the time you know I kind of thought he'd be in Limerick forever I didn't yeah. think he'd ever um and it would have been quite difficult for me to work well i i kind of maybe overestimated the challenges of it but i felt that it would be very difficult for me to become a journalist in a city where a small city where he was working in politics yes. um and actually these days people do it all the time but I, it would have been a conflict of interest yeah. and I wouldn't have been able to do certain things Now I would have had access to different stories maybe that I would, that other people wouldn't but sure everyone would have known where they were coming from. Yeah. So it just doesn't work like that and so I felt going to Galway was a good decision and then when Cork came up I was like sure I may as well go there. Always I suppose I thought that I would maybe do Galway for a couple of years do Cork for a couple of years then maybe go to Dublin Um, and it just didn't happen like that. I came to Cork and it's funny because when I was growing up in Limerick we are on the border between Limerick and Cork okay. just on the border and that's where the rivalry is really fierce and I went to a school Flags. Yeah I went to totally like the next field the like all the bales are red and white <laughs> Um and I went to a school which was also a boarding school and all the boarders were from North Cork and we were like oh those ones from Cork come near like <laughs> stealing our men you know She and says
0: that she sits here in her red jacket Yeah this <laughs> is
1: it you know and like we hated Cork growing up but mainly because they were always winning yeah. All-Irelands as well and we never were Um and so I remember when I was like God Cork could I really live there like they're so into themselves so and they just oh my god Cork is the best Cork oh they love themselves and literally you live here for about six months and then you turn into that it's just you know happens it to be true yeah it just happens yeah. so I came down and I was like oh I don't know about all this oh whatever pure Cork stuff and I moved down I lived in the city centre, lived off Pope's Quay um, where we had an interesting breaking story about yesterday, you may have heard that. Um, yeah, man seen masturbating
0: regularly on Pope's Quay. Oh lovely. Yeah, lovely. Uh, it's a lovely area. Thanks for that. Um, I'm having lunch now. Yeah, so
1: I lived there and it was great because we were right in the city centre, near everything lived with another girl who was doing a masters and she was great and yeah, just it, like when I look back at it now um, I should have been probably way more daunted than I was. Like I came in editing a newspaper in a place I didn't know it all. I remember the two journalists who were there at the time sitting me down and showing me like through the map of Cork and going, these are the stories in the different locations, this is what's okay. going on here. And I was like, okay, North Cork, Mallow, Mitchelstown. I was like, I know those places, you know, I know people there. And they were like, yeah, fields, cheese, nothing happening up there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Re- really? And they were like, yeah, Ballincolly, in the city, that's where you need to be looking at. And I was like, right, I've never even been to any of those places, need to okay. go there. Yeah. So I really have spent, I mean, it's 10 years now, but I have spent the whole 10 years literally driving the roads of the county trying to get to know the place, um, walking the city, trying to get around and see as many places and meet as many people and get to know the place properly. Um and I think, you know, I'm it's a it's a lifetime's work, but I'm getting there, you know. Yeah. Um like what 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 I love is something comes up, a news story comes up and I go, Oh, we should do something like that or we should follow up on that or whatever and we go, Oh do you know what? I met the woman in the shop down there when I was down there a few weeks ago with the boys and she was really nice. I'll ring her and that's like that's how it works and it's that replicating of the small yes. village thing you know Yeah. Um, and like we, we we are now like the most Cork of Cork people we go to West Cork in our holidays like when I came here first I was like people actually have a holiday home in the same county what is wrong with them <laughs> and now we go to Bantry for our holidays
0: <laughs> so. I was just talking about getting the bus to yes. Yeah. yeah no, but why wouldn't you I mean yeah. I just think that that, that well even Ke- you know Kerry as well so close Yeah. I just think we're in the genius part of the country where yeah. we can just get in a car and in 50 minutes
1: you can be you're
0: just anywhere yeah. and it you don't need to get on a flight although I love to occasionally yeah. no you don't need to yeah. um, and also like I love food and we just have the best food
1: that's it we really do like you know it's it's funny because i suppose because of that, that the way that things happen for me, I did always think that I would have to do the obligatory couple of years in Dublin and then, yes. you know, maybe move back, maybe not, whatever. And I'm so glad that I didn't now because so many of my friends went to Dublin to go, okay, well, I'll get my start in Dublin in a lot of them in big law firms or in banks or whatever. And they can't get out of there. Yeah. they're either in negative equity or they're in a good job that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere in the country. Um, whereas I kind of just feel like I skipped that step um, and I've been really lucky because like you say, you know, in Dublin, unless you're really lucky and you're living in a really nice area which there are, um, but you pay a couple of million euros for a house in them. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, like I go out my door and I'm looking out of Cork Harbour and I'm looking out at beautiful walkways and I'm 20 minutes from the beach yeah. and sure, what mortgage do you want from life really, you know? Not a lot. Mm.
0: And so what made you choose where you lived. How did, you, um, how did you make How did you pick It's hard I yeah. think
1: Well I think initially Um. So when when I came down Initially it was just What was available I wanted okay. to be walkable And yes. our office was On the north side So I said It's handy to be On the north side So uh, I hate traffic I cannot sit in traffic it, Just no way So wherever I live Has to be some part That you can either Get out of another way Other than in the car Or near Um. So that that's one of my Big factors Hence uh, back to the Planning and railway Discussions yes. Of my budding romance You know um, um, and um, so that was it initially then when so after I had been here for I'd say a year and a half it was kind of looking like my husband's job was going to be coming to a close and he was like he'd been coming down every weekend and like it wasn't a case of us taking weekends and turns he yes. would come down to Cork every weekend because we were like Cork's just better like, okay. <laughs> that's basically End it off. yeah Done. and he was like do you know what yeah we just should buy a house in Cork so we did um, we were really lucky it was a recession prices were low I don't know how we managed to fool the bank into giving us a mortgage I was working in a local well, newspaper. A few of us managed to do that, yeah. Like a local newspaper, and the banks are like, "Oh yeah, journalist, great." And I was like, "Oh my god, do they not read? They don't." They don't read the papers This is fine And my husband was working For a politician Who lost his seat Not long afterwards So his job was gone Uh, But we got the mortgage We got the house um, Up just out of St Luke's And it is just Such a great area It's so cool There's such cool people Living there It's such It's such a nice neighbourhood Like there's a little Village shop Yes I love the people In that shop They're like If I could move back there Just for the shop I would
0: I used to live just up the top. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'd, yeah I'd so you know them. Down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It's just
1: amazing. And we loved it there. Um, literally would have stayed there forever. I was quite happy to stay there forever, except for we just didn't have enough space. Yeah. Um, when I was pregnant, we were kind of like, okay, and where is the garden for the child to play in? There isn't one. Um, we had a tiny little backyard, even the dog, like it was too small for the dog. Yes. Um, And it was a small house, so we decided we would to look elsewhere. And... Basically then we were, like it was a three bed house, a small three bed, we were looking for something bigger and for anything bigger, the money was astronomical. Like if you're looking at three-bed semi in Glanmire or Ballincolig or Douglas, all places with terrible traffic, yeah. um, I was like, no, can't afford them. And also, I'd be sitting in traffic for 45 minutes every day, Never. no way. Um, so eventually, my husband saw this house in Cove. It's an old Victorian house, um, needed loads and loads and loads of work, but it was significantly cheaper than any of the others, um, even though like, it's much larger and much very different. Um, and he was like, what about this? And I was like, people like us don't live in houses like that. What are you on about? That's ridiculous. And he was like, what do you mean? And I think literally the minute I said that, he was like, we are getting this house. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you say. So now we live in a wreck and we will be renovating it for the rest of our but lives. lives. Um, but, but look bonus
0: is you can get a train to work.
1: We are... 10 minutes from the train station at both ends for me for work and, and for him um, it's 10 minutes from the house on, on the cove end we've this it's just cove is beautiful like yeah, it's, it's so lovely. underrated Um, it's kind of up and coming I think Um, but there's like there's so many beautiful houses there and there's so many people who like like us a lot of people who are doing up the houses Lily Higgins you had in I think yes. Lily is in the same boat but their house is a lot further along than ours um, she's a beautiful place in cove as well and it's, and I had
0: Trisha Carlos in as and well yeah. yeah.
1: It's like everyone you meet from Cove will be like, Yeah, we're renovating. Yes.
0: Like
1: if you were if you were to go into business in Cove, scaffolding is what you would actually be <laughs> buying. Um or like uh lime plaster. Those are yeah. the two really hot items. Um so it's um it's kind of gonna be a labour of love, but we're very happy there. We have space and lifestyle wise for the kids and everything, there's everything they will want when they're a little bit older. Yeah. Um and it's it's good.
0: yeah. I think it's nice. So you you like myself worked and worked and worked yeah. and worked. No travel?
1: Very little. Um, I suppose I always did feel that because I had done a language and because I wanted to do the kind of job that would involve some travel, that if I wanted to go to far-flung places... A, I would either get enough money to go on holidays there by working properly and not have to sleep on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Never my style at all. Absolutely (laughs) not. No, thank you. I like a shower and a bed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, or the other thing was that I would be going for work and I would get to go to really cool places that way. Yes. Um, I kind of don't really go for the whole resort anywhere thing I'm like if I want a resort the Europe is down the road or the Castle Martyr or whatever and like they're the same as going to a resort somewhere really far away because if you go to say the Maldives or whatever now I'm sure it's beautiful I've never been there it looks amazing but you are affected most people are like inside having spa treatments all day and going for the odd swim so I'm like I can do that here if I want to go abroad I want to go because I want to to see the place and learn about the place and meet the people and I suppose that's the great joy of journalism is that you have this immediate okay to just go to a place and start asking people random questions. Yes. Um, so that's what I've done. Um, I went to America for a summer in college I would have done a lot of kind of short hops here and there when back when Ryanair was actually cheap Mm. um, and you could go somewhere for 20 euro. Um, But I knew that what I wanted to do was actually go to a place and do a story on it and meet people and learn about it. So since I... um, since I came to Cork, I, I've been, done a couple of these kind of trips. I was in the Cork Independent about a year when the Haiti earthquake happened. Okay. Um, and I would have done a lot of work with the Haven Foundation. Yes. Um, they built houses there and built... Um, kind of empower people to build their own houses which is more important um, and I went to Haiti with them after the earthquake a few months after it to just to see I, I remember I had read a piece about Haiti by A.A. A. Gill in the Sunday Times magazine he died there uh, last year the year before amazing writer just so evocative and I remember it stayed with me like it gave me nightmares the piece he wrote and most people would say I would never go there Give me nightmares but I was like I really want to go there now um, because just this, this this painting he did of a place of such kind of desolation. And I remember after the earthquake going, Well, the guy the piece that he wrote was of this absolute godforsaken desolate place and now they've had an earthquake. I was like, how could it like could it get worse? And I so I really wanted to go there. So I went with Haven we saw the, the capital, which was devastated by the earthquake. We went out the country, we went up the country, got a lot of travel in while we were there. It was only for 10 days. um. But like some of the experiences I had there, like they're things that would stay with me forever, you know. Um, And it's funny because on the trip, there was a lot of journalists who were brought as a fam trip. I had done a bit more work on it because they were all national okay. newspaper journalists, whereas I had had to fundraise and stuff to go um, and to, br- to pay gotcha. myself, you know. Uh, but I really wanted to go. Yes. But these guys were like arriving with like no biro. And they're like, oh yeah, I got sent in this by the news desk, it's great. Okay. And I was there with like ha- my three books on Haiti that I had read. And, you know, the guy from the aid agency was like, you know, I, th- I can't remember what year it got independence. And I'm like, 1861. And <laughs> he's kind of like, okay. But I was just so into it. And I was like, you can't go and, and do a story on somewhere like this in isolation. You have to know the history. Um, So like that was absolutely fascinating. And I remember like I was really traumatised by it, I will say that. And I don't know how journalists who what covered those that? stories. That was 2010. Um, I don't know how journalists who cover those stories all the time deal with it yeah, yeah. I have to say I went and I came home and I was actually genuinely very 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 upset about it for a long time um, but I suppose then you have to that's where the professionalism comes in and that's how you learn because it's not your thing to be upset about it's not for you to to be emoting about it. It's to see what you can do to bear witness, um, to see what you can do maybe to help. A lot of journalists would be on a line there where they don't believe that your role is to actively help, but to just bear witness and maybe um, put it out there so other people might help. I personally don't believe in that. I think if you're going to witness something so awful, you actually have a duty to help. Um, So I spent a couple of years fundraising for Haven after I had come back from there. Um, But I remember, I mean, we were... We went to Port-au-Prince, which is the capital, for a couple of days and, I mean, we were driving around in, you know, four-by-fours with security guys with guns, real guns, with real bullets in them because people were looting, people, I mean, people were so desperate and uh, not long before we had got there, a shipment of... um, of food to another side of the island had been looted on the road, like they had been stopped and, and, and looted. So there was a security risk and we're going around around this town, we're looking at the Presidential Palace. That was in all the news coverage at the time. It had just were you crumbled. Not I'd be absolutely Um petrful. yeah, I was. Um yeah. but I suppose you have to trust that those people know what they're doing like the aid agency staff are there all the time that had been one of my other career options yes. um, had been working in an aid agency but I knew I wouldn't have had it in me to deal with it all the time okay. um, and that's why I suppose I never pursued like going into foreign coverage or anything like that and partly that would be because of my uh, mobility issues as well I wouldn't have been able to do it physically anyway yeah. um, but I knew I could do these kind of short bursts so um, the I remember just standing there in front of this palace and a little girl just walked up to us this little tiny girl I'd say she was maybe three and she had kind of her hair was braided but you know the way the braids grow out yes. it obviously hadn't been rebraided in about the length of time since the earthquake Okay. and she was filthy dirty covered in dust and she just walked up and just held my hand and oh, God. yeah like the she just looked up at me and just held my hand and I was just looking at her going like what, what does a person do here what does a human do there you know
0: well, you just want to sweep her up don't you
1: yeah And not long before that, Americans had been arrested trying to go back into America with Haitian children. Um, And, you know, it was kind of still a matter of some debate about what they were doing with them and what their motives were. But to be honest, you couldn't be human there and not look at that child and think, I need to just bring you away from this. Um, And like the security men had to pull her off me and put me back into the jeep. Like I was kind of like, goodbye, goodbye. And she didn't speak English and I was trying to talk to her in French and just look at that we just left this child on the side of the street you know and there are charities there and you know as I said subsequently I did fundraise for charities but I remember coming home and talking to A guy I knew who used to write for me in the paper, John McCarthy was his name. He was very well known in Cork, um, who would have done a lot of direct action work over the years in um, Bosnia. He brought shipments of trucks. He drove a truck of stuff to Bosnia in the early 90s. And I remember talking to John about the story. And John was like, well, why didn't you help her? And I was like, but sure, what can I do? And John was like, you can always do something. And I was like, do you know what, you're right. He was right. And I was like, oh, you know, you're making me feel guilty. And he was like, well, you should feel guilty. Like, that's... That, you, if you don't have a human emotional response to those things then what are you and it's like okay you know and I remember really taking but that on board was
0: there, you just didn't know I didn't know what, what, how to channel how it. to channel.
1: you know yeah. so as I say I raise money and all of that kind of stuff but you know I do look back and wonder now as an older person what my reaction would be probably the same and I don't know
0: you have children now as well, yeah. It? yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean now, now going into that situation, I don't know how I cope oh. with it at all. Like even thinking about it now, I'm like, oh god. So I'm still taking deep breaths. Yeah. So I I went to Haiti and then I kind of was like, okay, I, I really like doing this. I know I would like to do these kinds of things every now and again. So I suppose that was the beauty of the job in the work. I Enjoyed a lot of freedom. Yes. And my boss there was brilliant, Jarrod. He really like allowed me an awful lot of freedom. He was like, once the job is done, once everything is fine, you can kind of do what you like. Really, you know, Um and that would. Be the case for, for, um, for the entire time I was there. He was just very like, you know, just once we don't get sued by anyone, you bring out the paper, it's good quality, everything is the way it should be, off you go, do your little projects. So I did. Um, so I went to Rwanda a couple of years later because they had the, um, at the time they were talking about bringing in gender quotas in politics here and I wanted to... Um, see how it had worked for them yes. because they have the most women in politics in the world and um, I was like well they've done it like why can't we do it what's the big deal so I decided then because I had no masters that sure I'll do a masters as well that'll be grand yeah that's not the way to approach doing Masters. (laughs) I know that now. Um, And in fairness to UCC, the guy I read at UCC was like, ah yeah, you'll do it any year. Sure you're used to writing. No, I was used to writing like news articles, not 40,000 words, theses. Um, So I applied for funding from, there's a journalism fund that you can do for these, get for these projects. So I applied for the funding, got it. Went to Rwanda, um, again, an amazing experience. Met all these politicians, learned a lot about the genocide. Um, really fascinating. And I suppose what everything you learn makes you realise all the things you don't know. Yes. So, like, I went there going, God, that's great. They're so feminist and they've done all these things. And then you learn, well, actually, it's kind of a dictatorship. And then you learn that, you know, actually, well, the Americans had this role in it and the Belgians and the French had that role in it. And actually, the genocide is not at all what we think it is. Like, okay. So I love learning kind of the next step in something beyond what kind of the commonly accepted thing is, because then a whole world of possibility of actually how these things could have happened opens up to you. Um, So I spent in the end about three years working on that um, because during which time I left the Cork Indo and moved to 96FM and got married and i still working in the Bloody Masters <laughs> eventually I did finish it and for about two years I couldn't say the word Rwanda without having a tick but I can, <laughs> I'm back there now it's fine um, so then in 2016 um, just before I, I got pregnant or just well I was pregnant I didn't realise it um, I went to Cambodia to do a piece on fast fashion um, okay. and clothing manufacture and all of that and that's really big now again so, oh I must say there's yeah. um,
0: a, a load of people now I have to say there was a lot of people in um, in Upper Lane cork, in Upper Lane yep. the other day but some of them with plastic rucksacks on and stuff and I was just like oh yeah. hang on a minute guys remember what we're here for yeah. and um,
1: yeah they were doing the dye in yeah,
0: yeah. And it's, it's a difficult one for me obviously we're looking at bringing out a range and yep. I've met with a lot of people about yeah. sustainability and about it's how very to do complex. it properly and it's so complex yeah. um, and people's um, opinion is do as do the best you yeah.
1: can. And I think that's that I, has to be it because but I think the
0: responsibility is there for the shopper as well. I'm yeah. not a shopper, so I find it really easy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I yeah, you know, I live I've got four sisters and they would buy things, wear them once. Yeah. If I talked about price per purchase, oh, I mean, yeah. this top probably cost me minus three P like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Price per purchase. I wear it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um so I I'm off that ilk anyway. Yeah. But just actually just because not because I'm making a stance that's just, just the way I just because the am. way you are yeah absolutely and like,
1: like that I mean I went to learn I suppose about how the garment workers were treated as yes. much as anything and then I came away with going oh my god the sustainability and looking at Cambodia and looking at pollution and looking at all of this yeah. kind of stuff and so literally like everything you learn opens up a whole new set of questions absolutely. Um, and I came back and I remember people going okay but so where do they get the fabric and how do you know that this dye wasn't and I was like oh my god you know so again I've probably the
0: cotton they used to stitch this it is goes it far back that. what I never understand is if I eat a steak
1: mm-hmm.
0: sorry for all the vegans on there but if I eat a steak yeah. they, I can trace it back yeah all the way
1: but you know what I saw a tweet today and it Don't was about, yeah awful now. so Irish meat great Irish beef we know it's grass mostly grass-fed but yeah. it's not all grass-fed and I saw a tweet today from somebody saying about how so much of the maize and soy that Irish uh, cattle are fed comes from the area of Brazil which is currently in trouble
0: oh good god
1: so you kind of just can't win you know oh my god <laughs> yeah. oh my I know god. I'm here to break all the bad news <laughs> but there much. is you know and I suppose that's that's one of the things that the job teaches you is yeah. that sometimes um, people can't digest too much of that and like I, I was looking through my Facebook yesterday I mean I spend my day scrolling social yes. media watching for breaking news and watching for what people are saying and I was like oh my god everyone is talking about the Amazon being on fire yeah. and they're all like no media is covering this while sharing links from the media, the media. and <laughs> you know, like, I, I had to laugh Jolie Oogh from the Irish Lambert tweeted that, and he was like, "Do they think a llama was taking the photos?" <laughs> you know, and um, he was right. But yeah. you know, if if you kind of are to, um, I suppose, in modern terms, social media terms, we curate the news for people, and if you don't balance how you curate it, nobody will listen because you will be depressing the heck out of them. No, and absolutely. you know, but you have to be so careful with as that. As with
0: anything in life, mm. it's all about balance. Yeah, but uh, listen. The podcast is called Be Bell. So, what's in a sentence is Being Bell being beautiful to you?
1: Women supporting women.
0: Yeah,
1: love it. Yeah, to me, like as we were taking the photo for this podcast, you told me there was lipstick on my face, which I really appreciated. And then I licked my That is my what it's all
0: about.
1: I, <laughs> we all have a bit of a man or so. But no. that's what it's all about. Like if, if if I thought that you would let me take the photo like that, I'd be oh, like oh, not at all. One, oh my god. Yeah. So, but that's that's it's those kind of things where women have each other's backs. That's yeah. what P-P-L is to me.
0: It's all about the lipstick. Yeah. Um. In this pot here are some questions left by your predecessors. I'm going to get you to pick up a couple. Okay. And read them out and answer them. Right. What drives you? Oh. I've no idea. Lack of
1: attention span, maybe. I just need to move on to the next thing. Um, uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think it's because I'm an only child. I'd be always waiting for that pat on the head, you know?
0: Or kick up the arse. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So
1: that's probably it. Yeah. Um...
0: It's always interesting.
1: What superpower would you choose if you could have one? Flying.
0: Oh, fly! Yeah, flying in or invisibility for yeah. me.
1: Yeah, yeah, flying for me. I just love to be able to just go, yeah. <laughs> just zoom away. You know, um, I always did. I, my mother tells the story of when I didn't want to go to school when I was six, and she literally had to like pull me by the ankles out of the car. And she was a teacher in the school. <laughs> just to point that Charming. out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I just said, to her, I wish I was a bird and I could fly away. <laughs> and I still feel like that sometimes. Oh, bless
0: you. <laughs> Dee, thank you so much. You. I've really, really enjoyed our chat. You're absolutely brilliant. Um and yeah, we'll have to do it again. You're pretty brilliant yourself. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>